Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. Good morning, this is Rose Cushing, and we're in Rougemont, North Carolina today, speaking with Amy Skinner of Amy Skinner Horsemanship. So Amy, tell me a little bit about you and how you came to horses. Well, my dad was Air Force, so we moved around a lot. And when I was six years old, we lived in uh, Caracas, Venezuela. And I wanted to ride so badly. I was like bitten with the horse bug. I don't know where it came from because nobody in my, we didn't even have a goldfish. Like we worked an animal <laughs> family. Um, but we found a, um, it's kind of like a, a military club and they had horseback riding lessons along with, you know, all kinds of other sports. Um, and so I begged enough to get lessons there and I started riding there. I started um, jumping, that's what they offered. So jumping is what I started with when I was six years old. Uh, it was extremely strict, as you can imagine. Uh, the horses were absolutely neurotic and that's what I knew. And so um, as we moved around throughout my childhood, I took lessons at whatever barn I could find. So I dabbled in a little you know, barrel racing, jumping, just whatever. I didn't care as long as there were horses there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was a teen, I did some like uh, stall cleaning and stuff to work off some lessons. And then when I moved out of the house, I um, started cleaning stalls for a job so that I could be near horses. Um, and then what ended up happening was, you know, they had a school program at one of the barns I worked at and some of the school ponies needed riding or tuning up. I didn't have a clue how to train. I just stuck to horses. You know, that was when I was younger and a little gumby, and I, I stuck to things. And so they started asking me to ride these uh, school horses with issues, we'll put it that way. Right. And <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I, I stayed on well enough that they started giving me more and more and more. Uh, and I always, since I was little, wanted to train horses. That's all I ever wanted to do. And so I started going to internships at that point because I realized that I really want to do this. Um, so I went out to Nebraska for my first one with a woman named Sherry Jarvis and um, she really got me going and starting young horses and problem horses. Um, and that, that's just what I really took an affinity for. It's what I've been doing mostly ever since. Um, and I just rode with whoever I could. Um, I went to Spain and I rode at the, um, the riding school there. Um, I've really just been doing whatever I can to keep learning. and. Mm-hmm. Um, problem horses and young horses is really kind of what I feel like I ended up sticking with because there's such a huge need um, but I actually wanted to be just a dressage trainer initially but um, you know the, the, the average uh, trainer I think doesn't really have a good handle on problem solving so that's what I ended up sticking to. So what was it like to ride at Spanish riding school? Oh it was so cool it was so cool uh, it was kind of like you know being a really little fish in a massive pond. Uh, it was a huge leveling up experience. I mean, it was it was, it was, was very demanding physically, mentally. Um, I, I couldn't believe I got accepted. And when I got accepted and I looked around at the riding level around me, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I'm in trouble here. But um, I did a six week program and by the end I felt like I had just grown leaps and bounds. Um, and you know, there was a language barrier. So I, I speak Spanish, but Spain Spanish is a little different and right. so there was a huge language barrier which took me at least a couple of weeks to settle into but the quality of riding and horses there were just so far and above what I was used to that 
um, that was a very cool experience. So your training was predominantly focused on dressage yeah. and caro before you started doing the young horses? Uh, I didn't really get into the Vaquero stuff until I started really getting into problem solving. Okay. Um, because like I said, when I grew up riding, neurotic horses were what I thought was normal. Right. And it wasn't until I went to, I think it was a Buck Brandeman clinic, and I saw his horse standing there just taking a nap with 20 horses spinning in circles around him. And I was like, that horse has got to be drugged. Yeah. There's something wrong with that horse. And I watched him like a hawk because I was sure that that wasn't normal. And <laughs> after the end of four days, I was like, okay. Either the drugs are really good or there's something there that I don't know about. And so I kept riding with him and that was where I really started to understand equine behavior. Well, I wouldn't say I understood it then, but I wanted to understand it. Um, and so then I started riding with him pretty regularly. And then I rode with whoever I could. Um, and then I started riding with Brent Graff, um, I wanna say like six years ago, six years back. Because he, the, the way that he was with horses was just so much softer than anything I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. So then I started to see that you could have a horse relaxed and not just obedient, but really interested in what you're doing. And that was really, really cool. But I grew up, like I said, riding a little here, a little there. Um, as, I, as I moved out of the house and was an adult, dressage was what I got interested in. But like I said, neurosis is the name of the game for most of those. So... Yes. That's why I really wanted to blend, like, okay, I love dressage. It is the coolest feeling when you get a horse in, in, in great balance. But I really feel like there's something missing because they were all so miserable. Mm -hmm. So blending those two things together has really been uh, my goal, to get a horse who's that balanced and that relaxed. Absolutely. It's possible, yeah. but it really isn't normal. It isn't common, and it isn't easy. Right. I'm sure it's not easy. There's nothing about dressage that's easier it's than not. the high level. <laughs> it's not. Uh, and you know what's funny about it is it's um, the basics that are harder. Because yeah. when I was in Spain, uh, all those horses were trained to a high level. And tuning up that way and getting to be able to ride those movements was hard. Um, and once I got it, I was like, okay, now I'm really riding. you know. But then when I came back and started having to train horses to do quality basics, I was like, okay, this is way harder. Right. <laughs> quality basics are way harder than riding the fun tricks, quote unquote, uh -huh. you know, the, the fancy, exciting movements. Once you really get it, those are easy. It's the, it's the basics that are hard. Hey y'all, this is Lonnie from Mule City Specialty Feeds located in Benson, North Carolina. It's almost springtime. Is your horse blooming? Does your horse have a shiny coat and healthy hooves? How much extra time and money are you spending mixing supplements in the feed room when you could be enjoying your horse in the arena or out on the trail? Then look no further. Mule City Specialty Feeds has a line of equine feeds that delivers maximum nutrition from your performance horse to your weekend trail horse. Our line of maximum nutrition equine feeds offers five different complete balanced formulas that will take you out of the feed room and into the saddle. In addition to equine feeds, we also offer complete feeds for your barnyard pets and livestock. For more details, visit our website at mulecity.com, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call at 1-800-587-9229. And don't forget, Mule City delivers! So basically everything about a good horse goes back to a really good foundation and that basic training and understanding I think. Yeah and the cool thing about that is you can take that any direction you want. I mean you can you can 
like when I start a horse, dressage is my focus, and I start them the way I start them. But they go to be trail horses. They go. I've started polo horses. They go to be ranch horses. They can do whatever mm -hmm. because they they have an inherent understanding of how to move with you. Um, I think probably the only thing I can think of that they wouldn't be great at is like Western pleasure or something. But mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that anyway. <laughs> right. Right. So as you have, have grown and developed, you know, you, you said your favorite thing is starting problem horses and colt starting mm -hmm. things. So tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Well, uh, I started to get really focused on it because, you know, I offer problem horse uh, training and I offer colt starting. Um, but what ended up happening is people would send me a horse for a tune-up and it ended up having some huge problem. Mm -hmm. And they didn't realize it was a problem. They thought that was normal. So right. then, you know, it kind of turned into like everything is sort of a little bit of problem solving, at least to some degree. Right. Um, I just, I really enjoy it because I really, I really enjoy finding the missing piece of the puzzle, seeing what the horse is missing, bringing that all together for the horse and watching their confidence grow. And, you know, the, the thing about the job that just keeps me going the most is watching a horse come in here who's running around, scared, sweating, freaked out. And, and over time, watching them just let down and relax and sleep in the sun and groom other horses and just come out and be, you know, happy. That, that makes me really want to keep doing this more and more and learn more. And, you know, and, and the cool thing, too, is like looking back on horses I had in the past and realizing that I missed something important. And now I have a new horse that that lesson that I learned from that one can plug into the new one. Right. That's a really cool part of the job. It's always different. It, um, never mundane and it's always rewarding mm -hmm. it's not always easy but um, the other cool thing is it's, it's like a running experiment you know you think you know I do X Y and Z and I get X Y and Z results but it doesn't work on the next horse that I get so I'm like okay now what do I do with this one because they're, they're all so unique and they're all so individual so it always keeps me pushing my boundaries of, of what I'm comfortable doing and what I think I know and basically the horses never let you get comfortable with your idea of your your ability you know because they you get you get one that you know you do pretty well with and then the next one comes and it's like wow I don't know anything right <laughs> time to go back to boot camp you know because <laughs> right. this one's way harder than the last one I can see why that would make you get better and better all the time yeah and you would see things that you might not have seen yeah if you'd have had even six months ago yeah and that's really cool because I, I get to look back on you know like Facebook memories pops up pictures of me riding last year and I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> or, you know, some of them I'm proud of and some of them I'm like, hmm, glad I learned to do that better. But you're always, always growing, always learning new things, always thinking about things differently. And that's just, I wouldn't want it any other way. What accomplishment that you've made that you're, are you the most proud of? Because hmm. I know your list is long. <laughs> accomplishment that I've made like in regards to what exactly in your horse career well I'm real proud of um, I mean I, I, I trained I've trained for a decade but I've always trained out of you know someone else's barn so I'm real proud of bringing it all to my own place and having people come to me being able to go out around the country and help people and you know come back to my home base mm -hmm. that makes me really feel a sense of accomplishment I enjoy that were you part of a summit recently? Yeah, yeah. So the Best Horse Practices Summit, that is, um, it, last year it was in Maine. Well, 2020 was canceled. The year before that was in Maine. 
And then the year before that was in Colorado, and I did a presentation with my colleague, Catherine Silva, uh, two years in a row. That was really, really exciting and fun. Right. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was a crowd of around 200 people, and I thought to myself, because the first year, um, Garrett Hushman is a, a vet and a biomechanics expert and a dressage trainer as well, and he's you know really an international big name. So I, I had this... Uh, thing that I said to myself, which is, I will be totally fine presenting in front of the 200 people, no problem, as long as Garrett isn't in the crowd. Right. And the first year, he went home right after his presentation, so I was like, whew. So the second year, I'm like, okay, I'll just, I got this piece of cake. Halfway through the presentation, there's a question on the microphone, and it's him. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked something about uh, the difference between a canter pirouette and a rollback, or so, something, because, you know, he's a dressage trainer in the presentation that we did was about why uh, a good dressage horse could be a good ranch horse and vice versa. So. But yeah, it was it was really exciting. It also really made me push my comfort level because you know, I'm kind of a homebody and um, I can talk to people easily as long as there's a horse in between us. But right. that was, you know, standing up in front of a microphone in front of... So. That's intimidating, no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Definitely. But it was very fun. And yeah. the, the, the crowd is really a nice group so we can't be successful without your donations as our partners every event that Cushing Media Productions produce donates one dollar from ticket sales to Cushing Equestrian Fund join us Cushing Equestrian Fund your trusted source in an emergency follow us on Facebook and you can donate on our website www.cushingmedia.net so what's left on your bucket list to achieve Everything. You sound like me. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I have like a drop in the bucket so far. So let's see. I, you know, I spent a lot of time starting horses and fixing problems. Um, and my own personal horses were given to me in older age, and they had to be rehabbed physically and behaviorally. So you know, they're fourteen and fifteen, and we're just starting to get into the good stuff. But on my bucket list, I think, is to raise a young horse of my own and bring them up um, to the upper levels. That that would be something that I would really love to achieve. What else? Every, I mean, I can't think of everything. I want to do everything. Um, is there a breed that you lean towards? You know, I like a lot of breeds, but I really have grown to love Andalusians and Lusitanos. Me too. I love them. I'd like I, to I have one. do love a good quarter horse, but there's just something so cool about those Iberians because they're just so naturally athletic and so versatile. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I work with a lot of warm bloods, but they're just they're cool as long as you like arena work only. You know, it's kind of hard to like go move cows with them or trail ride to any real and into any real terrain. They're not really made for that. So I think the Iberians are a really versatile, interesting breed. They're really intelligent. They're really brave. They're really sensitive as well as brave. So, you know, like your Arabian's sensitive, but not always brave. They're sensitive to everything. Whereas, you know, the Iberians were bred for bullfighting, so they can be really, mm -hmm. really tough as nails while being super sensitive. So that, I really enjoy that. What advice would you have for a young woman that's coming into the profession as far as how to leave her mark on the horse industry and be successful? I would say what I wish I knew when I was younger, which is to really just 
be yourself and don't try to fit the mold that's already there. Because the, I think that the mold that I tried to fit into was the male trainer mold, which is, you know, we, we're, we're starting to get a little more even between, you know, male and women clinicians and, and people who are higher up. But when I started, it was definitely still male dominated. And so I tried to be just as tough as them, just as whatever as they are. And it just never was that sincere and it never was that successful anyway. Um, so I would say just be who you are, be, be soft. If you're soft, be vulnerable. If you're vulnerable, be, take your time. You know, I, I felt at the time, like I had to compete with all these cowboys that were turning horses out quick. And, you know, I ended up getting hurt a lot. I ended up getting tossed a lot and I ended up, you know, they didn't respect me anyway because they were like, you know, girls shouldn't be cold starting. Right. But, you know, the way that I do it now is I think I have a really good success rate of uh, starting really difficult horses, but I do it slowly mm -hmm. and I do it my own way and I don't use speed or strength to get it done because I don't have that anyway. Um, and I wish I could tell my younger self that, you know, I didn't need to be trying to do it the way they're doing it because those are not qualities that I have or, or really think are, are good for horses anyway. So my advice for young women would be don't be afraid to do it the way that works for you. Um, make your own mark. And, and I think the horse world is changing to be more accepting of that anyway. I think so. I think people are really excited about that type of, of um, way of working with horses. And I, I think that you know young women shouldn't be afraid to, to be who they are. Mm -hmm not try to be what the horse world has always promoted. For your time this oh, morning, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. And how can people reach you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Amy Skinner Horsemanship. You can go to my website, which is www.amyskinnerhorsemanship.com. I also have a blog, which I think is askinner89.wordpress.com. You had to buy the domain name, and I didn't do that. So. Right. <laughs> but um, you can find me one of those three ways. And, and I can highly recommend the post on Facebook because every single post I've seen has been informative and educational and interesting. Oh, thank and I you. I can't say that about many people. So Yeah, thanks. So kudos to you for Th that. Usually I just, you know, finish a lesson or working with a horse and I just kind of blurt them out. And um, it's always interesting to me that people love to read them so much because they just, you know, writing is always easier for me than speaking. Just words just kind of type out really easily. So. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that people enjoy them. Yeah, do a great job. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for thank having you me. so much. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening.